All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another installment of Everything Combat, because life is a fight. And if you're not familiar with the show, ladies and gentlemen, we speak to everyone, people from different walks of life to overcome different trials and tribulations and obstacles to literally become the best they can be in their particular field. And, you know, it's with a name like Everything Combat, one could assume that it is all physical combat. Yes, we do speak physical combat like we will today. We've had guests like Dan Gable, UFC legends Tito Ortiz, Randy Couture, Jens Pulver, who we'll be speaking with a little later, former heavyweight champion George Foreman. So we've talked to each of those individuals that have overcome different things in life to become champions and just excel in life in general. And, you know, because that is kind of the metaphorical side, not just the physical, but the metaphorical. We all have these things in life that we have to overcome to be the best we can be. So we try to have those inspirational conversations. They're just not giving up. And our returning guest today really exemplifies what we talk about here at Everything Combat. One of our last events we did, it was the event was called Determination. And this man really exemplifies that term, especially during 2020, as it's been rough on everybody, but... And even in opening the show last time, he's undertaken and he did last year undertook a Herculean effort to make sure the train kept moving forward. Just incredible turnouts, incredible numbers on the pay-per-view. He just kept going despite, again, a great mini of obstacle that was thrown in his way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. He is the CEO of Cage Digression MMA, Mike Goodwin. How are we doing, Mike? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if you don't mind, man, it was it was so, you know, hat is off to you so, so seriously. Last year, 2020, like I said, it was hard for all of us. And, you know, you really went through it uh, to put each of these events on back to back to back. You know, and this is Cage Digression in the state of Iowa. If you don't mind, kind of recap 2020, if you will, and especially the end there where we didn't think we were going to have an event and then we wound up having an event. Talk to us a little bit of how, how it was in 2020 keeping the train moving. March has always typically been our, our largest event of the year. Uh, I believe that has a lot to do with timing. Uh, people are ready to get out. They've got cabin fever. And March is always the time time of the year where we host a big two-night event. And um, we've actually done a total of 13 two-night events now. Uh, but March seems to be the, the one that, that above all, all, all year long. So here we are nine days away from our March event uh, as as planned, and that's when all the COVID stuff hit, and that's when all the shutdowns began. So they actually pulled that event from us, and, uh, you know, obviously nobody knew what was going to happen after that, but I told everybody involved that, you know, at all costs, no matter what, I would not cancel the event. I would just postpone it. Um, that way everybody could, you know, keep the spots they had, keep the pay, keep everything that, that was already in place. Well, then a month goes by and another month and another month and, you know, four or five months into this thing, you know, I, I hit a point personally where I wondered if the event entertainment business would ever be a thing again, which, which is crushing. I mean, I, I live for that. I live for concerts and sports and people and, sure. and groups and crowds and fun. So fast forward to September, we got the, we finally got the green light. Um, however, we were heavily restricted in all areas, um, you know, naturally, we went from thousands of people to, you know, 30% capacity was what the venue allowed. Uh, but at that point, I I said, whatever we have to do, like I said, at all costs, we the show will go on. And, and I, you know, I was thankful because, uh, you know, 30% capacity is a heck of a lot better than some states, which was yeah. 0%. And, and to this day, are still 0% capacity. So hmm. I took what they gave me and... Um, you know, we, we, we finally were able to host that, that event in September that was scheduled for March. Well, 
multiple states, multiple gyms, hundreds and hundreds of fighters, uh, coaches, managers, the whole, when I say the train, I mean, everybody from you and I to the fighters, to their, to our team, to the coach. I mean, there's this, this ripple effect where everybody was shut down. So I'm given this small window of opportunity. And I said, you know what, if we can provide more opportunities, I'm not afraid of hard work. So let's go ahead and plan another one right behind this. And so a month later, we, we hosted another two-night event. And then not even a week into planning that, I realized, man, I've got hundreds of fighters that want to that compete right now and need to compete. So yeah. um, I hurried up and I booked another two-night event. So September, October, November, uh, we hosted three back-to-back-to-back two-night events. I was able to work with over 120 different fighters from 16 different states across the country. Uh, which was, I mean, we put money aside, man. I mean, obviously at such a capacity uh, limitation, we this isn't about money. This was about all of us getting some sort of normalcy, providing you know something to our team and to these fighters. And uh, you know, by the time we got through it all, uh, as exhausting as it was, especially mentally, um, I felt like in some roundabout way, this whole thing kind of push caged aggression to a different level because we were able to work with so many different fighters and so many different teams and get our name out there. And then you add the pay-per-view aspect, which was really kind of forced upon us uh, with the COVID thing and with the limited seats, we needed some way to bridge the gap. And uh, so we built the pay-per-view platform where you can actually select the fighter you're supporting. uh, So they receive a portion of the buy. And I believe that that was the, that was the secret sauce, man. That's what allowed us to pay for the events. That's what allowed the fighters to make more money in a, in a, in a tough time like this. It allowed fighters from California and Florida and New Mexico to still have their fans be able to stand up and support them yeah. financially. Um, and, and yeah, man. So we got through those and, uh, as crazy as it was, you know, now that I look back, uh, I'm thankful, man. I, I'm not thankful for all of, my friends that own businesses and all these people that are struggling in a, in a hundred different ways besides the virus itself. I'm, I'm sad for them. And I, and I, and I hope we can all get through this. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just thankful, man, that so many people supported what we did. We were able to pull it off and, and to be able to provide things for people that couldn't get them in, you know, like I said, 16 different states. Yeah. Well, and again, your ability to adapt and overcome in such, you know, really treacherous waters I always thought was so admirable and again I think uh, you were on the Jason Ellis show not too long ago promoting the last card and he found that referral link very a unique thing especially not being able to get the amount that you want at the gate having that option for fighters to kind of leverage their popularity in their their town or their you know their city where they you know a lot of people might like them it's uh I think it's a good way to help make sure like you said it helps you know compensate for you know, just they're able, able to make some money, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, if 2020 wasn't uh, a headache enough, you uh, jumped to the waters neck deep for 2021. <laughs> so coming up in March 25th, 26th, 27th, Cage Aggression will be putting on its first triple night event, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Talk to us about what went into that, my friend. Well, I mean, I touched base a little bit earlier. Um, from the From the time I started this 10 years ago, uh, you know, for those that don't know, I, I don't, I'm not a fighter. I, I've never been in a fight. I, I don't, I'm not a coach. I'm not a manager. Um, 
at the end of the day, I started this as a fan and I build the events from a fan perspective. What would I want to see if I bought a ticket to the show? That mentality, along with I, I want to try to make the next show better somehow than the one before that, that's never changed. In a decade of doing this, that that motivation and that drive has never changed. So from starting out in this tiny pole barn at a fairgrounds in the town where I'm from to being able to host two night events in Sturgis during the rally out in South Dakota, to being able to have, wow. you know, Hall of Fame legends, you know, calling the fights for us and to be able to see this growth to me, I guess it kind of exemplifies that, 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 that mindset is working and to always build it as a fan first and to always uh, try to improve from the last event. So uh, here we are a decade later, we've hosted 13 two night events. And for anybody that's ever done one night, they, they know <laughs> that it's, that's madness. So um, the funny thing is now when we put out an event, which has been a while, but now, now when we put out an event, that's only one night, people start commenting. It's only one night. <laughs> <laughs> so we've become so known for this two nighter that, um, I took that aspect. How do we do this again? How do we top what we've already done so many years in a row? And, and how do we create some new buzz? I took that. And then I also took the fact that we're still kind of in this mess and, and these states are still shut down and, yeah. and there's still not events happening in other states. So I thought, well, if I had hundreds of guys and girls last year wanting to fight, what's going <clears> to <throat> change? I mean, that number is going to grow. So I said, whatever we got to do, I want to host the first ever three night MMA event. So I did a lot of research and I've yet to be able to find not just us, but anybody that's ever done it um so to be able to kind of put a little stamp on history in <laughs> little old iowa and, and like i've told you man we started this this is grassroots we started this from an idea and, and just passion and as a fan and a little pole barn and you know a decade later we've helped guys get into the ufc and, and we've really got some notoriety now growing and so i thought I, or, or back to that, like doing the research, I thought, man, could we really pull off the first ever three night event? So I, st I put out a kind of a teaser in December just to kind of gain some interest. And by the time I started building the fight cards in early January, I had over 450 names that wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. So here I am thinking, oh, I've got three nights worth of opportunities. I'll be able to cover so many gyms. No worries. We'll get you all in there. And all said and done, I'm still churning away 300 plus guys and girls. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's like, why not do a big three night <laughs> why event? Why not? Uh, yeah, you know, and then and then a month later, we're going to host another two night event right behind that because I truly want to be able to provide these opportunities uh, while things are like this, in hopes that soon after the, these states start opening back up and these fighters can compete more. Are you talking about April or May? You're doing one in uh, May. Okay. Yeah, May seventh and eighth. We we signed the contracts for a t another two nighter, which was by no means a part of the cards <laughs> when I tackled the three night event in March. I you know, but uh, again, I'm not afraid of hard work. And and if if what we do can provide these opportunities to, like I said, not just the fighters but the team and yeah. these coaches and managers and everybody involved, then then let's rock and roll, man. Well, and if if it ain't broke, don't break it. You know, you of all people have been there yeah. since day one, so to see the growth, man, again, it's something, especially from like a grassroots thing. Like you said, you're not afraid of hard work. And I, I talked to our, our friend Justin today. You know, a lot of people just want to 
we were talking about filmmaking. A lot of people just want their first film to be Schindler's List or, you know, whatever it is. They want to start mm-hmm. out on top because they want to be at the top, but they don't necessarily want to work for it. And it re- absolutely requires very hard work. And, and, you know, talking about some of the talent of your fighters, this is not, you know, some outlaw mud show caged, you know, event. These guys are former LFA, former Bellator, former UFC. Like you said, a lot of these guys have gone on to the big leagues. Caged aggression is without a doubt, no joke. And even before I started working with you guys, I was so impressed with the production. You know, no one's going to be necessarily the UFC, but, you know, success leaves clues. And you guys have picked up on so many of them, and especially the production, I think, which really separates you know, the wheat from the chaff. And like you said, you have a couple UFC legends calling your fights. It's like not a lot of people can say that. <laughs> it's a packed deal, man. I, I, you know, I, I seem to get a lot of the credit just because I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm, I guess I'm the guy behind it, but really, you know, you, you've seen the behind the scenes. There are countless people that make this thing come together, uh, that support what we do, including yourself. And, and it really this, this team effort, uh, I tell the fighters this all the time. When I when I offer matchups, I my favorite line to say is 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 if you both like the matchup, then I love it. And I think that when you get two fighters that really really are are invested into the event like we are, and they really believe they have what it takes to win that fight, and they're putting in the work, that we're doing all the same on the outside of the cage. We're building this awesome show. And when it comes together on fight night, man, it's magic. Well, and awesome. that's something I've always noticed. You know, the matchups are just absolutely insane. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing's lopsided. So many of these guys are, and gals, they're so hungry. They're so talented. We have people coming out of, you know, Jackson Winklejohn, which, you know, Holly Holm trains there. John Jones trains there. I mean, it's like the last few events, I mean, I've just been astounded as to, A, the matchups and some of the spectacular knockouts, some of the most spectacular uh, finishes and submissions. There was a, a spinning wheel kick. I forget the gentleman's name who did it, but he hit Michael Battleship, who's an awesome game fighter. Um, the knockout was just so incredible. Our, my cohort, uh, Jens Pulver, who, like I said, we'll be talking to later, he says, oh, shit. You know, this knockout was so spectacular. It made, like, the Business Insider and Apple News. I mean, it was it was absolutely awesome to be to see some of this, and I'm only expecting even more coming up in March. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. I when we see those charts after each event, and just to see buys all over the place, it it, it solidifies the idea um, that we had behind it. You know, to try to put together a, I mean, the, the, these pay per view companies. I mean, they, they've got multi million dollar production trucks thrills to put this together. Yeah. Without that type of budget, it really is impressive, man. I, I'm I'm just as happy to be a part of it. Yeah, without a doubt, man. And again, I'm I'm always stoked to. Uh, Show up and call some of the incredible action. Ladies and gentlemen, cagedaggression.tv is where you want to go to pick up this incredible three-night event, March 25th, 26th, 27th. I can just guarantee you, you will be absolutely impressed by not just the production and the company, but the fights, the fighters. Like I said, these guys come, the guys and gals, come to scrap. So uh, be do yourself a favor and check out some of this incredible action. Any uh, closing comments, my friend? No, just thank you again, man. I know, you know, everybody's time is valuable. So, you know, anybody that's a part of this, I I know that you're taking time away from your own thing to be a part of it. So I I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. Um, Anybody out there listening, I I really firmly believe that even though I'm supposed to say this as the, uh, I'm doing air quotes, the promoter, uh, I firmly believe that up and down each card that we've put together the best fight cards we've done in a decade, and we've had some really great ones. So to be able to say that, um, if, if you've ever 
wanted to check it out and haven't, if you've ever, uh, you, you know, if you're on the fence or, or heck, if you're listening to this for the first time, try one night, you know, um, I, I think you're going to be very, very impressed. Well, and to see what, you know, Cage Aggression is cooking, you can go to their Cage Aggression MMA YouTube page where, you know, a great many of fights dating back several years uh, you can find on there. You can find full cards. And I think recently we've been breaking down individual fights. So, uh, yeah, go see what they're doing, man, because I'm telling you, you you will dig it and you will definitely come back for more. Uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Goodwin, CEO of Cage Aggression. Stay tuned. Do not go away because we're going to be speaking to a couple veterans of the Cage Aggression MMA cage. We're going to be talking to Jordan Hinman, who fought on the last card, and we're going to talk about uh, how that fight ended for him. He's going to be joining the broadcast team with us on Thursday, March 25th, to be calling the action. And a little bit after that, we're going to talk to his opponent that night, Brendan Jenkins, and he's going to give his thoughts on the fight and how it ended. And then in our final segment, ladies and gentlemen, former lightweight UFC champion Jens Pulver is going to be breaking down the fight between Jordan and Brendan, see what went right, see what went wrong. So uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, thank you again, and uh, stand by. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Everything Combat right here with Jeffrey Wilson. And as promised, Jordan, the henchman. Henman is joining us today. Man, he's had a, a busy last week or so. We're going to chop it up all about it. Jordan, how you doing, my man? Good, Jeffrey, man. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Of course, Jordan is no stranger to the caged aggression cage former LFA veteran, and uh, congratulations. I have to open up the segment here congratulating you. You have a new addition to the family. Yes, sir. We just, uh, my wife uh, gave birth to our, our son, uh, Bodie James Henman, last Tuesday at 7.11 p.m. I dug that name, too. I've always been a fan of that name, Bodie. I don't know if that was from Point Break. I mean, obviously, it's a it's an Eastern that's philosophy the, Buddhist. You know, that's the only place i've ever heard the name so yeah. i mean <laughs> well when i it, when i mentioned it i made made sure i made my wife watch point break absolutely so well and it's of course showed for like a bodhisattva which is like you know an under buddha I, not specifically i'm not too familiar with it but yeah it's a great name i love it congratulations man daddy great. duty all day and i know this is you have two other children so another addition man just gonna keep you busy no sleep for oh, jordan yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Well, and Jordan is uh, joining us on the broadcasting team here for our the first ever three-night MMA event. Case Aggression is throwing on Triple Threat, 25th, 26th, 27th of March. You're going to be calling the fights for us Saturday night. Give us your thoughts on uh, stepping into the broadcast booth with us, my friend. I know you had called some Cage Aggression fights before, have you not? Yeah, I've done several, actually. Uh, there for a while, um, I had a neck issue and uh wasn't sure how that was going to pan out so in my downtime you know i asked mike if he wanted any help needed any help um I've, i'm always like a step ahead of joe rogan like when i'm watching fights live so yeah. i had a i had a good feeling that i could do it and uh i have a lot of fun doing it and it's exciting to me i love the sport and so i, I love being able to maybe break down or get fans to understand some things that they might not quite, you know, be watching or understanding when they're watching because it might right. be their first time or it might be grandma and she might, you know, <laughs> pick up on a little something. So I, yeah. Well, and it was cool, man. I mean, obviously meeting you and uh, having some cool conversations at uh, some of the after parties or at least one of the uh, after parties for the last events we had uh, three back to back. I think it was September, October, November. And we wound up just catching up. And it was really cool getting to know you, man. I was telling a remark to Mike uh, Goodwin, CEO of Cage Aggression, that I really liked you, man. I mean, I, I, I've interviewed a lot of martial artists, whether it's 
Pat Milicic, Boss Rudin, Wonder, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And it's, you just always hear that, you know, that martial artist kind of attitude and philosophy when you're talking to real martial artists. And you really had that, man. You kind of just had that really kind of Zen mentality. And just um, it, was, it was really cool getting to know you, man. And I'll be anxious to uh, be calling the fights with you here uh, Saturday night. I think it will be March 27th. Looking forward to it, man. Getting your expertise again. You know, you're no stranger to the cage, aggression cage, LFA veteran. So it's always good to get that kind of expert insight uh, as we're watching the fights, man. And it's been a blast for me too. I mean, I'm, I literally, when I step into there, the River Center in downtown Davenport, I really just pinch myself. I'm like, God, I'm. I've always been a martial arts fan, mixed martial arts fan, combat sports fan. So I'm almost, I'm getting paid now to do what I would be doing in my living room anyway. Like, holy right. shit, you know, yeah. just losing our mind calling the fights, but obviously with a little bit more uh, refined tack to it. Um, again, man, it was, you know, it's really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to it, having you on. And um, as we talked about earlier and earlier segments here with Mike Goodwin, and as we're going to see later, uh, Jens Paul is going to be breaking down the fight you had with, uh, with Brendan Jenkins. Uh, during the last event, if you don't mind, obviously it didn't end exactly the way you wanted it to end. But if you don't, I mean, you were <laughs> you were bringing the pain in that first round. I was I was thinking towards the end there, uh, you were bringing knees, and I was like, it, I think I probably even said it's almost over because it was absolutely ridiculous the knees you were dropping on him in that first round. But right into somebody's oh ooh, big, big knees, another oh, big, big knee, flying knee from Jordan Hinman. Oh, oh my big God. right hand, right flush on the chin. Sound Brandon like a, Jenkins. Sound like a hammer hitting a coconut, bro. But if you can, just break down a little bit from your perspective what went down in that fight, uh, going from, you know, almost seemingly victory to, to catching a pretty vicious blow at the end there. Yeah, uh, you know, it's part of the game. So um, it hurt at first to deal with it. Um but, you know, like time heals all wounds. You just got to make do with what sometimes things are just what they are. Um, so we started out. I felt good. I had a good warm up. I uh, had a great training camp. Uh, you know, I felt phenomenal. I felt confident, felt superior. Uh, Brandon Jenkins is his nickname's a human highlight reel for a reason. I mean, the guy's pretty crafty. He's got a ton of fights uh, between professional boxing, kickboxing, and mixed martial arts. So he's he's very uh, he's he's a veteran, you know, of all combat sports and uh, definitely dangerous. But I just I was confident that my power was gonna just be overwhelming. And as the fight started, like you know, that's kind of how it started to go. Like um, I was starting to gain some momentum. He was bleeding. Uh, the fight, you know, didn't last very long, so he was bleeding shortly. I can't remember if, if it was like a hook or an elbow that I caught him with. But, uh, right on the top, over by his Jenkins left. Jenkins is cut uh, over the right eye. Yes, sir. That's a big cut. That is a big, nasty one. But I, I was throwing everything with intention to, to finish the fight. And uh, he threw like a lead hook, and I like I faded back out of it. And then when I'm coming back in, he starts to spin and throw a wicked elbow. That might have been from that big shot. Oh, elbow to the face of Jordan. It hit me on the left side of my nose. And he spun from the right. And he hit me on the left side of my nose. And uh, it broke uh, my nose. But part of his elbow hit me, like, in the eyeball. And your orbital bone is – they're called blowout fractures. They're designed – to break basically when a lot of pressure is uh or trauma hits your eyeball so you don't like lose your eyeball so my floor mm. 
broke out, the side broke out, the top broke, the inside was broke because of where the elbow hit me, and then uh, just my cheek over here because when he was spinning, he was moving, you know, laterally, and so it shoved my cheek over a little bit. And uh, as soon as he hit me, you know, I knew something was wrong. I mean, I've been punched plenty of times, and I've never been knocked out. I didn't lose consciousness. Uh, yeah. That's the hardest thing to swallow is, like, uh, you know, I didn't, like, he beat me. He cracked me or whatever, but, like, I didn't have my ass kicked or whatever. I, it was one shot, and it just, it broke, you know, it broke my face. There was literally nothing I could do about it, and so that one stings that I have a, a KO, TKO loss because uh, I had 21 amateur fights, um, 15 professional fights, you know, and that's never or I guess it's happened now, but you know, it just, that was, that was a tough one because I'd have rather went to sleep. I would have rather, you know, yeah. been beat to a pulp or whatever, other than, you know, just a, a broken bone. It was unfortunate, but man, I'm dealing with it fine. Like I'm still a warrior. Like I don't think poorly of myself. Um, no, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like I'm not scared to still fight or anything like that. Like i have been going stir crazy not being able to do anything <laughs> yeah. because my face isn't fully healed yet so uh you know just i felt like uh i was overwhelming him and he threw a hail mary and it caught you know so well and as i was talking to uh, uh jen's pulver as people will hear a little bit later on in the show you just it happens man i mean whether i mean we have incredible knockouts i mean all throughout all promotions you know ufc included uh michael the battleship had a high part of a highlight reel, you know, spinning back kick, spinning heel kick to the face, just completely unexpected. And even, you know, as, as Jens is going to point out, as he breaks down the fight, it just some things just come out of nowhere sometimes that yeah. you're just not necessarily even prepared for. It happens. I mean, he he froze me. Um, like he's a he's a good kicker, man. So and he uh he throws a lot of right sided kicks. So um, there was a, a part where I was I was getting ready to counter, and that was my fault. Like I should have never left off the gas or let my foot off the gas because he doesn't like to be pressured. He he's not he's not as good when you're in his face as when he has time to set things up and uh, look for those shots like a, you know a beautiful spinning elbow. And so you know I guess if I had to do it again, um, that is what I would take away from it. Is I just I and I and I I kind of wanted to prove that uh i don't know why people think i'm such a grappler i mean i grew up wrestling and stuff but uh you know i have nine victories seven knockouts two submissions so i mean i like to i like to knock people out and somebody like the human highlight reel you know mm -hmm. i kind of avoided a different sort of game plan that i could have took that probably would have sealed the deal and yeah. that's like i was in on a takedown early and i just I, you know, I was like, nah, no, because to be honest, I wanted, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna attempt uh, a cartwheel kick for the first time in a fight. I have a really good one. I have a great way to set it up. And that's all I kept envisioning was a cartwheel, cartwheel kick. So I was trying to find the right opportunity. And, you know, I put, I'm playing, I'm out there playing with fire and I got burned. Yeah. You know? Well, so, and if I remember correctly, you guys were right in front of us, in front of the broadcast area there. And you were, you really didn't have anywhere to move. Your back was pretty much against the cage, if I remember correctly. So there wasn't any kind of lateral movement or, you know, any way to kind of move out. I guess, you know, it, it, you were, your kind of back was against the wall once you guys, you were back against the cage there and he threw that on you. You didn't really have anywhere to go. Well, I, I mean, the thing was, is, uh, so he thought he threw a lead hook and, uh, I mean, 
it, it grazes the front part yeah. of my face. So I moved out of that. If I would have just moved my hips when I moved my head, he would have mm. missed me completely because he spun over here on the right side. I mean, it should have hit me over here, but it didn't. It crossed, you know, it crossed midline and it and it hits me on the way out. So if we're talking an elbow coming this way in a spinning motion, you know, it's not going to continue to drive right. through. It's, it's going to start to hook at some point. So if I had just moved my hips, it would have changed the whole positioning of my face, my body. But I, I didn't. I was wanting to counter, and I came and I like throw a check hook as he's starting to spin, and he mm. like spins out of it. And uh, like I said, I come back in, and that's when it hit me. You know, if I had just took a half step and maybe in any direction, he might, you know, I'm I'm thinking he probably wouldn't have hit me at all. But uh, we don't know because that's not well, what happened. I don't know if you uh, have heard him mention it's part. I mean, we talk about even calling fights with Jens and Pat, how visualization is a huge part of success. You know, you visualize doing a cartwheel kick. He has said that he visualized and trained for a spinning elbow. What are your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, he said that uh, he had dreamed about it. And I mean, I'm not going to call the guy a liar. He Maybe he did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if he did, that's, you know, that's pretty badass. It sucks that I'm on the, <laughs> the receiving the, end of it. Yeah. You know, on the bad end of it. But like, like I told Mike, uh, that was cool shit that like I was able to be a part of something so spectacular because it's like, it's good way to look at it. Good way to look at it. It's, it just sucks that it had to be me, it, but it easily could have been the other way around. So, For sure. you know, and, and I know like he's not out there trying to, he didn't want to do that to me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, no, n- yeah. people don't understand. Um, they think like we're just beast or whatever. Like we just want to hurt people. And I explain people all the time. I want to hurt anybody, but I want to win. And if that's what it takes to win, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. I, but I'm I, I, very I, empathetic. Like I feel for sure. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure he, after, you know, it all said, set in and he had his time to celebrate and stuff. A couple of days later, I bet he felt pretty you know bummy or whatever he messaged me and stuff that he's a good dude so yeah uh, yeah you know like jenkins is a, is a cool cat and um i never even had a problem with him prior to two prior to or whatever it's just i wanted to see if i could beat that flashy sort of style fighter and uh you know i i didn't yeah i mean again it's part of i was uh watching dominic cruz he posted some stuff on um his instagram and he's you know this this isn't a game. He was talking yeah. about the recent Frankie Edgar knockout and just right. sometimes the downsides of, of catching that L. And it's not just, you know, it's not always um, just a, a decision law. Sometimes people can and do really do get hurt. If you don't mind, you know, I was wondering because I was I think I texted you, you know, or messaged you that night. I'm sure you probably weren't into getting many messages. But if you can go through a little bit what that night was like some of the procedures you've had to go through. I know you stacked up a whole bunch of bills. So ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if you, when you, when we order this next fight, you know, kaysaggression.tv, there is a referral code for uh, Jordan here to obviously help him out with some of his bills. I mean, he got most of them taken care of, but you know, it, it was a hefty, pretty hefty price tag and he's still got a little bit way to go. So you can help him out in that regard. But um, yeah, it's um, I, I was, I was just worried, man. So just because that was such a even Pat when it when it happens. Oh, Spinning that, elbow. That's bad. That's bad. You heard that? That's bad. That's bad. Oh my god. Whoa. Wow. You heard that, ladies and gentlemen. That's a Spinning elbow. Injury. That could be that's a broken a orbital injury. Yeah. That's more than that. That's a cheekbone also. 
you heard that that's, pop, ladies and gentlemen. That's bad. Oh my God, and even just the sound. I don't. I don't mean to belabor how you know it just seems so gruesome at the time. But um, yeah, if you don't mind, just talk to us a little bit about the medical expenses and the procedures you had to go through. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with the with the sound, that that was terrifying when you hear or whatever but you know the covid thing there like nobody was drinking nobody was eating so everybody's right. like stone sober probably like <laughs> wanting to get out of the place you know so they can grab a drink or celebrate right. their, their family and friends and stuff you know so you could hear a rat piss on cotton that's how yeah. quiet it was in there. and i stole that from chael sonnen so don't think <laughs> i came up with that but uh that's right. so i mean yeah when he hit and it just it echoed through that building like that was that was tough to to hear. Not so much see as just the the sound of it was yeah. was brutal, and you could hear the sincerity in Pat's voice and stuff. Like you know, Pat messaged me a whole bunch of times, and uh, you know, he sent me some black oxygen and stuff like that. So that was awesome. Super, yeah, that was super cool. And uh, so if you guys get a chance, you know, go ahead and check out Black Oxygen. Um, but uh, so uh, like at first, like I knew I was hurt, but you know, I'm still kind of amped up like my adrenaline's going and stuff like uh so i'm back and the doc's looking at me and he's telling me i need to go to the hospital and i'm sitting there with ice pack on my face and i'm smiling and uh you know i'm laughing and i'm telling people i'm like get a picture of the you know get a picture okay okay uh they're like doc's like no bro you need to go like i don't think you understand like go and i was like i was like all right i gotta get this butt off me he's like no you need to get dressed and you need to go to the hospital. I was like, okay, all right. So I go back there and I'm still fiddle fucking around and stuff. Like <laughs> I, I just, I knew I was hurt, but it didn't hurt. Like it was about to. So, uh, get all my stuff on. We're walking out and it's starting to creep in now. It's mm. like, okay. I get in the vehicle with my wife and, uh, I think the hospital is only like eight minutes away or something. Like it wasn't very far away. And uh, by the time I got there, like I'm folded over in the front seat, head between my legs, just the worst pain. I mean, I've torn my ACL. I've had cervical spine surgery. I've never felt anything Mm. like that. The pain was very excruciating. And uh, I remember I was real upset with the nurses and stuff when I come in because they're wanting to ask me questions. And like, I just wanted to like fix my take, take the pain away, fix my face. Then I'll answer your questions, you know? Yeah. And uh, I knew not to blow my nose or it was going to swell my eyes shut. Uh, and I'm telling it, like, but I'm, I'm starting to freak out because I can't breathe the, the blood and everything. And, like, mm. I need to get it out of my – I'm telling them, like, hey, you need to help me so I can get this blood out of my nose or something. I said, because if I blow my nose, we're going to have a lot more complications. And uh, so they finally get me back there. And uh, I think I had, like – two or three shots of morphine and then two shots of Demerol by the time I left that place before mm. I, before I was not in so much pain that I, yeah. you know, like it finally took like damn near knocking me out. And, uh, I got this tube and I'm just sucking blood out. You know, it's this little suction tube and just blood, 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 blood. Mm. Uh, so I didn't get home. It's probably like an hour and a half drive. I got home at like almost four o'clock in the morning. So I spent several hours in the emergency room. They couldn't do anything for me. And so I had to get me an appointment in Iowa City. And so uh, I had to wait obviously a couple of days to do that. I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, but I get up there. 
and uh, take a look and everything, do a scan, all that good stuff. And um, the doctor wasn't able to get me in for like a month for surgery. And uh, so we switched off. Yeah, we switched doctors because it was only going to be two weeks as opposed to a month or so. And uh, I don't have uh, short-term disability. I only have long-term. So up until 90 days, I don't get paid. So I was like, man, I got to get this thing rolling. I got to get back to work. I got a pregnant wife. I got two yeah. kids. To, wow. You know? um, so we went with the other doctor and uh, – had surgery December 4th, I think it was, you know, and it happened, uh, November 21st. Yeah. So, uh, that, that, so I had to sit basically for two weeks, uh, can't breathe, uh, spitting up blood. It's, you know, running down, I'm trying to sleep sitting up, you know, can't even imagine bro. Wow. Right. And then they got me on pain pills and shit and I'm not a big fan of, yeah. Uh, pills and stuff like you know i mean i just i don't like shoveling pharmaceuticals down my throat i don't even like taking you you know i don't even like taking aspirin or ibuprofen or anything like if something's sore i deal with it while you move on yeah or whatever so uh so i'm two weeks of shoveling these pills down my throat and then have surgery and of course it's gonna have to shovel more pills down my throat and i had surgery and uh i thought the night of the emergency room was the worst of it when I woke up from surgery, that was the worst of it. I it was supposed to be like pain. Yeah, it was supposed to be like four, four to five hour surgery, and ended up being uh like ten hours or whatever. And uh, I woke up from that, and it took me a long time to wake up. And uh, I remember my arms had hurt really bad because they had strapped me down, and so the fronts of my shoulders hurt, probably tr- from trying to like you know power out of it yeah yeah because what they did was they cut me from the inside of my mouth from uh about my nose all the way to the back of my gum and then they peeled my face away and then that's how they yeah that's that's how they got up there to do their business and uh i don't know the exact numbers on what of what but there's a combination of 60 screws and plates that's holding my face together because they said all of this was like cornflakes but mm. they were able to keep the existing bone so my face is plated together and uh screwed screwed together to hold the plates and uh but they told me like i didn't have to have surgery i could have just been all coggly eyed or whatever like i was and they said you didn't have to have surgery no i could have just let it grow it would you know calcium would have built up it would have healed itself and they oh, said it, wow it probably would have been stronger than it is now so interesting yeah it was that was very strange it was like nah wow. no yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get this taken care of get this taken care of yeah so, uh, i mean uh, you may not be able to tell or anybody may not be able to tell but uh this is what i call my creepy eye now my face muscles don't work very well through here like when mm. i smile this, got a nice it, smile there, bro. It just stay, you know, it just stays yeah. open. But it stays open, like, it, and it's not until I point it out do I notice. But watch, you see how this eye like closes, and this one just stays. Oh, low. okay, yeah. But also while I'm sitting here, it's it like it's open farther than my eye is on this side. So I mean, obviously I can tell because I've looked at myself every day yeah. my whole life. But uh, and then it's also they set it in too far back, so I have some. Uh, weird double vision like 
when I look mm. out my eyes when I look down or when I look out each side of it. So that's uh, what I was going to ask you about any kind of possible lingering effects, not just from the injury, but from the surgery as well. I thought I, you mentioned something about a little nerve damage. I think that's kind of what you're alluding to. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's a nerve that runs through your face, through your cheeks or whatever. Like when you get Novocaine at the doctor, that's what they're hitting and it numbs mm. all this. And so for the longest time, it was all my, from the, my, my nose to my eye and then my teeth all the way, like this whole area was just, it was numb and it was like painfully numb. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I can't feel it. Like it hurt. I remember mm. just grinding my teeth because I wanted the pain and my teeth to stop. Well, that's subsided now. And the only part that's numb is just like this little area right here. And then like my front teeth kind of still. But I mean, other than a little double vision and a little numbness still, like, I mean, I'm pretty good. Is that, I mean, as far as the long-term prognosis, does the doc say that's something that'll subside? Will you get back to some measure of 100%? Possibly or possibly not. It's mm. it'll, take, it'll take months for the nerve to... Yeah, you start talking about nerve damage, yeah. Yeah, it probably heal if it does at all. Like, it doesn't have to. He said right. it was bruised pretty badly or something like that. Well, so. I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, and <laughs> again, it's... I mean, you know, tension is a big thing with me, and I don't say this, ask this to be salacious or to touch on any sensitive subject. But have you, has the doctors told you, or have you any thoughts on your future fighting? Does they say it's over, or how's that, how's that playing out, or well, how do you want it to play out? From well, obviously, what I want is probably. I mean, we know what I want. I mean, if you know who I am, you know what I want. Yes, the from what i recall the doctor told me in like three months i would be able to be punched and stuff again like my face would be good to go he said i won't be as strong as it used to be but you know you'll be healed but then my wife tells me that they said i can't get hit in the face anymore because of the screws and the it's like wire meshing kind of what they call plates or whatever and i guess mm. that push through my face or they can shift or some you know something like that and uh so I haven't confirmed uh, or heard for myself, you know, what my doctor thinks yet because I'm just focused on getting healthy for one. Yeah. And then, of course, we just had a baby. So yeah, taking care of that uh, new little one. And, and you know, I want to make sure all the emotions gone when I make a decision. Um, if, I, if I was by myself through the decision would already be made, I'd be just waiting till I could train again. And then, yeah. Yeah. then we're going to push forward. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I love my wife and I, you know, it tears her up prior to, to watch me, you know, prior to the injury to watch me fight and stuff and yeah. uh, anxiety and stuff she gets and all, you know what I mean? And so something like this really hurt, you know, she's never had to see me weak, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so she spent uh, two months, you know, taking care of me because there was, I mean, I was, it was bad. And uh, so, you know, I got to take that into consideration. Um, my kids, sure. my kids are, I think they're fine. I don't think that really affected them. You know, they, to me, I'm just showing them toughness or whatever. Like things aren't as big or as tough as you think they are. You know, I had my face broken and I would literally go back to doing the thing mm -hmm. that broke my face. Well, and that, I mean, you definitely, you know, 
indemnify if that's the word or you really embody you know everything combat because life is a fight whatever walk of life you're in you're <laughs> going to be hit with obstacles and adversarial situations that you have to overcome and you know again you you really really embody that that's why it's so cool man i mean i i would me personally you know i wouldn't rush to get back in the ring but you are a warrior and that's what warriors do but it, it'll be great man to sit and call the fights with you uh, even, you know, hanging out afterwards, I, I really find you to be a cool cat, man. Very introspective when we spoke. And, and like I said, I, I always get that vibe from a lot of like real martial artists. And you definitely are that, my friend. Um, wow. That's crazy, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad we've had this chance to talk because I hadn't just through other messaging and stuff. That's kind of all the correspondence we've had. And I was even that night, man, I was just like, I, I, it's crazy. You were backstage like yucking it up. I just, <laughs> I don't know. They was kicking, <laughs> it was kicking me out. They're like, dude. Go. It, didn't, it didn't take long for those endorphins to wear off. But, man, it's glad to see you're okay, dude. It really is great to speak to you. And like I said, I'm super stoked to be calling those fights with you, man. Any other uh, final words? Anything else you want to say to our Everything Combat crew? Oh, man, regardless of if I ever compete again, um, I'm, I'll always train. You know, like I will always uh, have my feet in martial arts somewhere, whether it's, uh, you know, I can still probably do jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. And I can yeah. kind of. Maybe uh, I'll leave some of those uh, temptations to compete there. It's just, uh, it's just nothing's as exciting as as avoiding a broken, you know, yeah, and freight face for victory. I mean, people just they can't fathom it. They'll never understand it unless they do it. And uh, yeah, I love it. So uh, I'm always gonna be healthy. I'm always gonna eat good. I'm always gonna lift weights. I'm always gonna take care of myself. I'm always gonna train because you never know what is going to yeah. step front of you in a day and i'll tell you what you know dan gable said after uh wrestling all else is easy well same thing with mixed like fighting man after combat sports all else is easy it's just <laughs> nothing <Yeah. laughs> dude bro like yeah training, no it's yeah trying to no, fight no another guy that's training to like you yes. know it's not a drunken bar fight they just no people no. just and don't they, get they just they don't, don't. They yeah don't. They're comfortable with their beer and their chips telling you what you should have done in the cage or whatever. And if you want to check the archives, ladies and gentlemen, we actually have interviewed uh, Dan Gable. Really, really incredible conversation. So much I just didn't know about him, which was amazing. Oh, and yeah. cool, man. I'm, I'm Again, so stoked to chat with you, man. So stoked to have gotten to know you. Really excited to call the fights with you. March 25th, 26th, 27th. He will be calling the fights on the 27th. So if you go to cageaggression.tv, you can order the event all three nights. Or if you want to order through specific or specific nights. Click that button for my man Jordan Hinman, and you will assist with taking care of some of his medical expenses. Brother, it's been a pleasure, man. It's good to see you're doing okay. So happy for you with the new addition to the family. Looking forward to uh, hollering at you here coming up uh, March 27th, live at the River Center. Yeah, man, I love it. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, thank you to anybody uh, that has put forward for my cause, you know, a cause not of their own, but just out of – I guess love for my love for combat sports. Um, I mean, I really can't express how many people have messaged or donated or generally concerned, you know, like the, it's very overwhelming because I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm just a regular person. But uh, to some people, I guess I'm not, you know, they view me as like I've been told stories where I've inspired and nobody's, you know, they've never told me that before, but they felt compelled to tell me what I've done in their life to maybe help me get through my tough time. And uh, that's very touching and moving. And I love that because that's why I share my experiences. 
that hopefully somebody can learn uh, from my example or from my mistakes. Um, you know, and uh, that's all I want out of life. Like I've taken so much from this world. I feel like uh, my job is to give back. And that's all I want to do is, uh, you know, help others maybe realize how strong they are or uh, that things really aren't that bad. Because um, my life was not easy coming to be a 35 year old man where I came from and where I'm at today. I'm uh, Sometimes it's a little um, surreal, you know, and yeah. I'm that's why I love it, man. That's why I, you know, I take a look around sometimes and I see the house I'm in and the uh, things I've done. And it's, it just blows me away that I have, uh, you know, now three kids that love me unconditionally, but a woman that does too. And, uh, it's a very, uh, gratifying, rewarding thing. And, um, if I, you know, if you guys want to send me a message, if something's bugging you, if something's bothering you, I promise you, I will take the time to respond. I will tell you what I think and uh, what I feel. I've been through a lot, so uh, mm. I, like I always have something that can relate to everybody. So we well, um, definitely got a very interesting, and you know, life is a fight, ladies and gentlemen. And stories like these, Jordan, are only going to add to your legacy of inspiring people. And for me personally, you know, the fights I have called of yours has been an absolute pleasure. Whatever decision you make, man. You're a stellar, absolutely stellar human being. And again, congratulations on the newest edition. And again, man, looking forward to March 27th, cageaggression.tv. We'll be calling the fights with my man, Jordan. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Jordan the Henchman Henman. Stay tuned. Peace. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another segment here of Everything Combat, because life is a fight, and as promised... We're going to be chopping it up with Brandon Jenkins here as he's going to be participating in, uh, I believe it's Friday night, the Triple Threat event, March 26th, right here live from the River Center in Davenport, Iowa. And Brandon is taking a little bit of time. Just got home from training. How you doing, sir? Doing awesome. The weight's on point. I'm ready to rock and roll. Nice, nice. Well, we're going to get to a little bit of that weight stuff because you have a very interesting background. And when you, uh, Obviously, we're going to be talking to you about your last fight with uh, uh, Mr. Henman. Uh, Jordan Henchman Hinman, and I believe it was during uh, you know your victory lap you were taking there as you spoke to uh, Mr. Vargas in the center of the cage. You talked about your background struggling with weight a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about your background and especially that and how you kind of got into martial arts. Well, uh, I've always fought at 155. It's been like my home for most of my career. Uh, I have moved up to, like 70 every once in a while if the the fight is right, um, but uh, for this fight, I wanted to do a fight at 70 or 65 first, just because I had, uh, two ACL surgeries in two, in 2020. So wow. yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I did two of them because the doctor, uh, he, when he fixed my ACL, he put like a defective piece in my knee and oh, wow. it had, it's called a button. And basically the button fell off like 12 days after my surgery and we did an MRI or whatever and or x-ray and we f found the piece like popped out and floated back into my middle of my kneecap. And he's like, we got to do it again. I was like, fuck. Okay. So I had to go back in there and do another surgery. And, uh, the doctor did awesome. Like I haven't had any like swelling or any issues with my knee. And, uh, we did a cadaver, uh, ligament and everything's been great. Like my knee is like a hundred percent, but, um, uh, you know, when you come back from like a catastrophic knee surgery, like you just put on like 40 pounds plus the pandemic, you know, and yeah, I, I end up pushing. I usually walk around like 175 and 
I got all the way up to like 210 pounds. I was kind of a fat boy. So I, uh, I spent most of last year just rehabbing my knee. And then my good one's like, dude, we're doing a three night or a two night event. We'd love to have you on. And, and me and Mike's always talked and I've always pushed people towards Mike. Like this is like one of the best shows in the Midwest. You got to go fight on it. And I've always wanted to fight for cage aggression. Also, I've just been locked into an LFA contract for like the last three years. And I finally fought out my contract and ended up hurting my knee in my last fight. So took the year off and I was like, dude, I want to fight on that show in November. And uh, he offered me the Hinman fight. And I actually wanted like a maybe not a, as tough as a fight before the Hinman fight. My, my plan was maybe to do like a fight at 70 and then do a, my next fight against Hinman at 55. That's what I really wanted. But we ended up just taking the, the Hinman fight. I was like, let's do him. Let's do him in at 65. Me and him are both 55ers, basically. We're both gigantic 55ers. So let's just meet at 65. And, and uh, Mike's like, yeah, well, we have a super lightweight champion and we have a super lightweight class. So why don't you guys just meet there? And if you get past Hinman, then you could fight for the title. I was like, okay, cool. So it was basically like a number one contender fight. And uh, I ended up wanting to meet uh, Jordan at 65. So we did the fight. And uh, I had to lose. It was basically like the whole year was like a weight cut for me. <laughs> so went from 210 to like 175 and this did a 10 pound easy cut. So it was actually one of the easiest weight cuts I've ever had. Well, and, you know, we saw how that fight was going in that first round. It was a, a ended in the first round. Give us your thoughts on how that was playing out for you, because watching it and even commentating it and even talking to, to uh, Jordan, it was, you know, it was it was very much so back and forth, but he was he seemed like before you nailed him, he was nailing those knees on you. What were how much in, in trouble were you uh, during that beginning part of that first round? Well, I came out and you know, I had the 14th month layoff and I wanted to come out and just kind of get uh, get comfortable. But like Jordan didn't let me get comfortable. He kind of came out, started picking and poking. And I know Jordan's a good striker. We're kind of similar in some of the stuff we do. And uh, I have a lot of respect for the Skunk River grappling gym. Like th those guys are all really tough out of there. I fought Crazy Carl out of there. And um, he came out and he kind of surprised me with some stuff. And uh, like I, I threw a calf kick. I caught him with a calf kick and I could see on his face, like he was like, Oh yeah, I'll show you a calf kick. And he kind of came at me and threw one. I lifted my leg up and we ended up getting like tangled up. But, um, yeah, I was just trying to get, uh, trying to get comfortable in there and knock off the ring rust. If, if you believe in that kind of stuff, but, uh, sure. he kind of jumped Absolutely. on me early. Yeah. I, I was just trying to get comfortable. He jumped on me early. I just kind of had to try to slow down the pace because he was pushing a real heavy pace. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to slow this down a little bit. Because he, he cut you pretty yeah. early on. He cut you pretty early on, yeah. Yeah, uh, he threw – I didn't even know I was cut, to be honest. Like, nothing hurt me. Um, we were going against the cage, and, uh, like, I felt something dripping on my foot. So I was like, what is that? I, it's weird how you can kind of feel weird things. And we were clenched up. There was no strikes being like thrown. And then I felt dripping on my shoulder and on my foot. And I looked down and I was like, oh my gosh, someone's bleeding. Oh, I think it's me. And I've never been cut before. I, it was, that, was, that was my seven, 70th fight. I've wow. never been in a fight. Yeah. I've had That's impressive. Yeah. I've had like 50 something MMA fights and then amateur and pro. And then I had close to 20 kickboxing and 
Uh, I had a boxing match that I won, but I've never been cut before. So I was like, oh, this is kind of different. I was like, I got to get him back. And like, as we separated, he got the tie clinch and he threw some knees. I think one landed in the chest, but then I kind of framed on him where most of them are. He caught my elbow a couple of times. I did my forearm, uh, but none of them like none of them hit me and hurt me. But it was kind of like, OK, like he's going hard still, but ho- hopefully he can slow down, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we separated and then he hit me with the right hand. I was like, okay, I'm still here. That was a heavy one. And I've, I've known, I've been known for having a good jaw, good chin, but he caught me good. Good. It was loud. And I was like, okay. But then I can kind of see in his face, he was like, you know, like, dude, you know, like I can see he was a little frustrated too. Cause I, cause I, I like to keep the soft pressure on people. Soft pressure is where you're kind of like, you're in their face. You're not, you're close enough to touch them and make them feel uncomfortable. But even if you're not throwing like, throwing strikes the whole time you know so i just kept soft pressure on him and i could tell he was getting a little frustrated and at the same time i was like okay well i'm gonna try to get him back because he cut me i didn't realize how short the fight was already or like how far far into the round we were because it was kind of a a long or a fat a fast pace so i just threw it and i caught him i didn't know that it was gonna do the damage that it did i i thought i was just gonna cut him with it because you know, You're talking about the spinning I, I elbow. I, yeah, like I didn't know I was gonna throw the spinning elbow. I was gonna finish him. I I did have a dream like three weeks before the fight. I was gonna ask was you gonna, about this. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna. So Jordan likes when he gets tired, and starts brawling. He likes to drop his left his left arm, kind of like boxer style. And I was thinking, I'm gonna spinning back fist him the other way over his shoulder and and knock him out. So we did a lot of spinning stuff. I had no idea that I was gonna spin through and elbow him you know on that side but yeah i did have an idea of finishing him with the spinning move just not that spinning you know i i heard jordan in another podcast say that it was kind of a hail mary and it wasn't a hail mary it was just kind of like a i'm gonna i'm gonna get you back for cutting me you know and it wasn't like i was like oh my gosh what am i gonna do i just gotta end this quick but I, I like Jordan and I like his style. And I've always been a big fan of those guys at Skunk River. Um, but if you look back, like the last five or six fights that I've had, like the fights on TV or, or whatever, I even fought his buddy, Crazy Carl. We both spinning elbowed each other at the same time. We both spinning, hit each other in the back of the head. So, I mean, you look wow. back for like five or six fights, like I've always thrown spinning heel kicks, spinning back kicks, spinning elbows, spinning back fists. So it's not like it was like a real Hail Mary and my coach actually called it before we walked out. He's like, you're going to spinning elbow this guy. Mm. It's just so freaking wild that it actually happened. Well, I don't know if you've, uh, he, he actually, I interviewed him obviously uh, before talking to you and he had visualized doing a cartwheel kick. I don't know if you've heard that. From, from him. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's, that's wild though. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty audacious one to try out to a cartwheel kick like that. The percentage of times of landing that I know is probably a little tougher than a spinning elbow. I've never seen him do a Carlo kick, so probably. I think surprising. he said he hadn't done one, but he was going to try one out. No. Well, when you did, like you said, when you did finally land that elbow, I mean, obviously, you know, recognizing the fact that Jordan is, you know, kind of a monster and he's not somebody to sleep on. Once you went in there and finished it so impressively, uh, and even in the first round, what were your thoughts when you saw him drop? Yeah, did you know, did you know it was bad? Is it what it was? I mean, I don't know if you remember no. hearing it. But the sound was just absolutely insane. But did you, you know, once you hit that and he dropped, what was your thoughts? Uh, well, 
I threw it and I stepped through with it. So the weird, the way it happened is he kind of like went to parry me and throw a, a real big left hook. And I went under the hook because I like kept my vision on him the whole way through. I was like, okay, I'm not looking away. I'm going to spin through and look at my target. So I spun through, but I still didn't like stick the landing. I threw the elbow and, I, and it landed, but I like tripped over his leg and I was just trying to get up quicker than him, you know, like, and he didn't get up. And then the ref kind of came over and I threw like two punches and I hit his like shoulder or whatever. And uh, I didn't, it was just weird, you know, like I didn't feel it hit him. It's like almost like it went through him so fast that it, yeah. it, it didn't like, res- I didn't get like that contact feeling. So it was kind of yeah. weird. For me. And, and, and like, I never wanted to do like, catastrophic damage to somebody like that yeah. i mean like that's horrible and uh like i'm so happy to be a part of cage regression too because like what mike was able to do during the pandemic is just unbelievable you know it's absolutely amazing i mean he's he's i talked to him obviously at the beginning of this uh this interview or this episode here and it's just you talk about you know again that, that last fight card november determination like no better word really illustrated what he was doing, what all of you guys were doing with persevering in the face of just, you know, obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. It was absolutely insane. Well, I am looking forward to it, my friend, looking forward to calling it. And uh, March 26th, ladies and gentlemen, cageaggression.tv. If you care to purchase this fight, you can do so at cageaggression.tv and you can go to the referral link for Mr. Brandon Jenkins, help his pocket out a little bit. Man, sir, it was really interesting to talk to you. I really wanted to hear your thoughts and the breakdown of that last fight. I, you know, I've only called fights for a couple of years now, but it was just, I mean, if, if you heard it back, you saw, you heard the alarm in even Pat's voice when he was saying how bad that elbow was. And I was, you know, just sitting right there. You guys were just like a feet into in front of us. And that, that pop, that sound was just something that like echoed in my head the whole night. It was just crazy, but you came out victorious, sir. Congratulations. And, um, we have a worldwide pay-per-view pay-per-view audience, my friend. Literally all over the world will be tuning in I to check two, out you do your thing. We got two tables. I'm bringing uh, two convoys from Minnesota. Nice. So, like, all my fans. I don't know what happened last time, uh, but we got, like, ten people down there, bought a table. Uh, but this time, I got extra people. So, not more pressure, just more uh, support. I guess Absolutely. For sure. You got more people in your corner, my friend. Well, Brandon Jenkins, again, cageaggression.tv. Check out that referral code to buy the event under Brandon's name. All the best to you, my friend, and uh, look forward to calling your fight March yeah. 26th. Thank Absolutely. You. Take care and safe travels on your way back here to the Quad Cities, my friend. Can't wait. All right, buddy. Well, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and as promised, we have Little Evil Jens Pulver, the very first UFC lightweight champion, joining us today. To break down the uh, the epic battle with the devastating finish, Brandon Jenkins versus Jordan the Hinman Hinchman. But before we get to that, speaking of the UFC lightweight hey, championship, hey. as we record this, this hey, is hey, the hey. 20th anniversary of Jen's victory and picking up and becoming the very first UFC lightweight champion. Champ, let's go back in the Wayback Machine for a hot second, oh, man. man. What were the preparations for that fight? What was your mindset going into it? And obviously, you know, Becoming victorious and becoming the very first UFC lightweight champion. You know, the one thing I remembered above all of it was when I was running, cutting weight on the boardwalk. Boardwalk meets the sea, right? I think that's Atlantic City where the boardwalk meets the sea. Yes, sir. And I was out there running, and I'll never forget this. I I stopped somewhere on that boardwalk, and I I just think to myself, am I really 
ready? Am I really ready to fight this guy, Uno? Am I really ready to, you know, is this, am I good enough to do this? And I, I'll never forget that ever. It's like, am I actually, am I ready? It's like going, quote unquote, international. I'm fighting, this is Uno. I watched him just beat Ruben Asado, who, again, the submission game of Ruben Asado, if people need to go back and watch it. It's not even funny how just how slick and how sick he was so far before his time. And to see Uno again being flown over there and to watch that fight and see Uno beat him in Shudo again, mind you, and the way he got out of everything, I say, like, am I really ready? You know how everybody yeah. when you first start fighting, you were like the local shows. And of course I did some UFC fights, but I was like, man, am I really ready for this? And I was just thinking, I've been waiting my whole life. This is that goal I've been trying to achieve, becoming the UFC world champion. And I just, I remember stopping there and just kind of, it's not movie-esque, but, you know, you're sitting there, you're, I'm on the boardwalk meets the sea, I'm running, I'm looking out, just thinking, am I really, is, this is really about to happen. Like, am I really ready for this? Am I really ready to become the, am I good enough to be the UFC world champion? I've been watching it since, you know what I mean? I was in college and I just, man. So it, it was surreal, you know? It was definitely surreal getting that, doing that run. And, you know, luckily I had a phenomenal team. I just believed in my team so much. I believed in every, you know what I mean? What I was doing. Yeah, I'm ready. So, but I had so, that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can understand it like the day before, but even calling fights with you, we talk about how important the mental game is, visualization, et cetera, to becoming, you know, the champ or victorious in, in this sport. So did you, were you able to shake that as you're walking to the cage? Did you shake any of those kind of butterflies or were those still kind of lingering a little bit? It was off once I, again, when I, in that locker room, you give it, when you go in there, you know, the butterflies are sitting there. We always do the sports book or something like that. Watch horses, you know, and bet on the ponies, so to speak. Cause I grew up on the racetrack. So it's always, if you want to find me kind of the day of, or, Something like that. We tend to sit in the sports book watch, and then you get that. You just know it's that time, you know, and, and everybody comes out and goes, all right, you ready? And so then you have to get up and you do the whole, you hug your mother, you hug your brother, you hug your fan, your friends and everybody, you know, and that's your goodbye. And in, in a dark moment, you know, that hug, there's, there's that moment because you don't. There's no guarantees. You don't know if you're ever going to come out of that cage. I mean, that's what people need to understand. And we're talking about that, especially this fight that we're wanting to break down coming up. You never know what's going to happen. You can be in control right up until the end. And all it takes is for somebody to spin something off and your life will change for the rest of your life. That was the one thing, but that's every time you do it. And it's kind of that surreal I can imagine the soldier giving his family a hug when he gets on that bus to go to boot camp or, you know what I mean? If getting ready to go to war, kind of thing, you know what I mean? It's, but yeah. it's that, and, and people, I don't know if they look at that. Obviously we don't want to get in because it's still a sport. Everybody loves it. Ooh, the rush of it. But I'm just saying for most people, you have that moment. It's like, all right, it's, it's time. You know what I mean? So you get to give everybody your hug and, say your goodbyes and I'll see you afterwards. It's yeah. weird, but when you go back and think about it now, there's so much behind that. You know, everybody, I know everybody has that with their peoples and then it's time then, but then, you know, like anybody, you put on the game face and it's time to go. You've been training for six months, seven months, your entire life to become the world champion. So then I just turned it mm-hmm. off. Like it's all, all that goes out the window. Now it's, I'm again, I'm with my team. Like, you know, your troops are, I'm with my team. And 
I believe in them more than I believe in anything. So hold on and get ready. And like Pat said, not to cut you off, but like what no, Pat said, a- you know, is it, this is all preordained. You know, I mean, this is all predetermined. You know, God has a plan. You know, I mean, it, it's, now you just got to go play it out. Just go out there and play it out. There's nothing else we can do. You know, we trained, we put in the work. Now it's all, it's all in their hands, your hands. Yeah. It's all in that <laughs> moment, right? Well, and to, to have those moments, man, of, you know, before the fight, you know, that mental game, can I do it? Can I do it? And then getting into that lock and load mode after all the preparations, like you said, you're there with your team and it's over. You get the strap. Dana wraps that strap around your, around your waist. What are your thoughts, man? It was, I was bawling like a baby. I couldn't believe it. But like I said, the part, I said it before, I'll say it again. I remember that night when it was all done and I woke up in the middle of the night into my bed and I popped up. I was like, and I was just sitting there and I look over. Oh yeah. It was sleeping right next to me. (laughs) I looked over on my pillow and I was like, and I'm looking at it going, I really did it. Like this isn't a dream. I thought I was in the middle of a dream. I'm not lying to you. I looked, I was like, I really did it. I really became the UFC lightweight at the time. They called it Bantamweight, but I knew it was still 155. I became the UFC 155 pound. Well, champ, and in my mind, because of all those fights, the boss rootings, all the things I had to do at 170, the conversation I had with John Peretti, hey, we want to start this 155-pound division. I've got this guy, Kyle, I mean, this guy, um, Alfonso Alcarez, you know, I want you two to fight. I would just go back and remember the conversations, to remember graduating mm-hmm. college, remember people saying, you're crazy to do this. They don't even have your weight class. You're out your mind. You're going to be an MMA fighter. And I just remember, I did. I popped up in the middle of the night. I was like, <laughs> That's I mine. really did it. I did it, yeah. And then I hopped on a, I got on a plane with Pat, and I went with him to Carolina, and South Carolina, and, and he did a seminar. And I just laid there, and ironically, <laughs> that's how I met. And Spencer Fisher happened to be, someone showed up to that seminar, and that's how I met Spencer Fisher. And that's a you whole didn't get other to the word. You didn't get to the point where you were like your teammate Tim Sylvia rocking the belt to the grocery store, were you? Nah, I couldn't do such. I don't, <laughs> is that ever true? But what I tell you, ever since I heard that story, it did remind me of you know, I always thought the UFC could have done something for their champs, either a the a ring, you know, a big a big championship ring. But what I thought would have been cool is a belt buckle. Mm. Cowboys and everybody, you know, it's all about that belt buckle and the rodeo, yeah. right? The bigger the buckle, the bigger the game. But that like was that one of those things I always thought, right? But I'm saying is if they, you could get a, and only champions only, and, you know, you can get into the argument of, I just remember, you know, we'll get into that later on, but Pat and Matt, you're not truly a champion until you defend it once. All right. So mm. maybe then they can give you the, the belt buckle then. But I always thought, so that way you don't have to wear the belt around in in the wally world you know <laughs> well they've always said you know i've always heard about you know combat sports even boxing it, it, just give me your thoughts is it is it easier which is easier i guess i guess none of it's easy but defending it winning it or defending it winning it is easier defending it's impossible you just I got killers just coming tough. after you well because that's it now all of a sudden the the, the scope's on you it's right. one thing when you're climbing that ladder, everybody has that burning fire, that drive, that desire, that dream. I dreamed of this thing. I've been waiting my whole life. This has been a dream. Of, you know what I mean? How yeah. many times you hear somebody saying that? I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Well, now you become the person that has to destroy those moments. And yeah. you have to try. That's a different kind of incentive. Some crack, some what. But no matter what, for the rest of your career, 
you're always going to be that quote unquote uh, former UFC champ or that yes. former UFC champ. So everybody's going to be gunning from you from that day forward. There's never going to be a quote unquote easy fight because even yeah. as the post show growing up, it's like you're fighting so and so. Okay. And then you ask them, I'm fighting the Jens Pulver. Oh my, mm-hmm. I'm fighting the Jens Pulver. And that takes a whole nother world of, so yeah. no matter what, you're always defending the title because you'll always be called champ afterwards. You know the what I mean? Hunter becomes the hunted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's cool, man. Again, congratulations, man, and happy anniversary. I know 20 years. Be, I, I was going to say. It's weird. Right? Say, it's weird. 20 years. That's crazy, man. Just thinking it about is. it. Like, 20 years flew by like that. Like that. It, it does and it doesn't, right? And that's why I have to stop because, it, and that's one of those moments where, but if you sit down and you just kind of reminisce and you start telling stories and you start, and this is what I was saying about, I, I was doing, I was talking about this earlier, and this is what's so cool is now all of a sudden when I watch somebody win their title for the first time, I get to be, for that moment, I get to be, I get to remember, I get to be 23, 24 years old, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I get to. I get to win that belt again. And, you know, so even after 20 years to be able to have that moment, still be able to relive that. Yeah. If you just go back and think, yeah, it's, it seems like a blink until you start telling the stories. And it's like, man, it was so long ago. And as long as you can still say that life, you know, and it lets you gather it. But sometimes we just walk in such a blur that it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a special thing, man, to be able to it have is. that moment that people want to keep bringing up. And yeah, when it happens, you get to kind of sit back with 20 like dang, wait! I, I'm not ready for the fifty. I mean, I'll be like, hopefully, I'm around, you know. So of course you we'll will. See. But it's it is special, man. And you always will be a champ. I mean, it's forever. It's just rare air you're breathing, man. Not a lot of people can say that they, you know, did it's what you did. Have that especially nickname. the first, especially the yeah. first one. Yeah, that's something. And that's again because we don't really remember twenty second and the twenty third champ, but we'll always go back. We know who's the current, who is just behind him, maybe. Yeah. But then to go back and always see where it started. No, it's a pretty special spot. And, and Pat's very similar, like both of you guys. Of course, of you know, course. Well, that's what got me on a plane. Yeah. Or got me on a train for two and a half days was to come out and work with. You got the UFC 170-pound, the welterweight champ. You've got Jeremy Horn, who I was a killer. You know, and then Monty Cox, because you hear about him and you hear about this whole extreme challenge. And I kept reading about that all the time in uh, in the Full Contact Fighter. And as I was sitting there in Seattle and I'm in college going, and these guys, they've got everybody. They got all these guys that are getting into UFC and they all fight in his show. And Monty's doing these tournaments at Laverne Clark, Dave Monet, Dennis Hallman, Matt Hughes are all in it. Matt Hughes is winning this thing or whatever it is. You know, it's like, and these guys get into the UFC. And so that was, that's when I, I was like, well, I have to get on a train and I have <laughs> to go to Iowa because if I go train with them, that's how I'm going to get in the UFC. And so that's what got me started. That's what got me. That's why I moved here. Now I'll never leave. But it's because mm-hmm. of that. And now I get that because now that'll be my role. People ask all the time, when are you going to start training? When are you going to coach? Coach me. Coach me. You know, and I'm like, well, right now I'm your virtual coach. You come on the stream. I'll coach all day long. I don't really have that. I'm not really ready to do, to become the coach. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. what I tell people is, and I see it with military stuff is, you know, and I tell people all the time, my retirement's going to be a little different than a lot of people. My retirement's going to be extremely, extremely busy. So I want to <laughs> spend this time right now with my family before I go and I start creating champions. Like 
my coach did, you know what I mean? And Absolutely. that team had passed on that knowledge and that my MFS will, that MFS will live on forever. So I'm no, getting no. closer and I'm getting ready, but that's what I tell people. I'll coach until the day I die, but it'll just be, it'll be busy because those kids are all going to want to achieve their dream and they're going to be just like me. I'd never wanted to look at Pat's belts. I wanted to see, I didn't want to touch. I looked at them. But I never wanted to put one on until it was. I wanted to put my own. And that was. I remember that he's like, "Here, grab it." I go, "No, no." I go, I, "The first one I'm going to touch is going to be mine." And nice. I remember it was crazy. That is crazy. We'll catch us up a little bit, Champ. I know you are working back with the UFC a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about what you've been up to. It's been, like I said, it's been heaven sent. You know, this whole thing on Twitch. I started. Um, I started gaming at first, and then I was like, you know, a friend of mine. He had to leave. My my moderator had to take off. And I was like, all right, well, I don't like gaming by myself. So I was like, someone give me, I started watching video. I watched a parkour video or something, started laughing. I was just having too much fun breaking it down. Then someone said, hey, would you watch my fight? I just did this amateur fight. Yeah. So I started watching that. And then, like I said, a friend of mine says, oh, you got to see this thing called Street Beefs. And I was like, wait, what? So I started, I, I reached out, got a hold of uh, Scarface from Street Beefs. And I was like, uh, Mr. Wilmore, you know what I mean? And and I was like, hey, he, is it cool if I show these? And then I started talking. I was like, you know, this is the coolest thing. I, I go, we need this. Because I was that kid that walked around with his boxing gloves, and I boxed my friends in the garage. You know, I wanted to test my metal. I wanted to get out there and move around but not go to jail. You know what I mean? bunch of little right. alpha males and females testing yeah. each other's stuff. I wanted to do that. And then to see this kind of platform, this ex, it's exhibition, you know what I mean? It's, it was perfect. It gives them – and then it started with – you know, again, if you had your bully and he said, hey, meet me in the yard, it, it changes things because when you go out there and you give them time and you give them a week that they have to get ready or two weeks, like, hey, we're going to meet in the yard. And then all of a sudden you bring in a referee <clears throat> and a crowd and a camera that can record this. And now you do the scariest part and you allow people to have an opinion. That's what makes it so scary about being a quote unquote pro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And an amateur fighter. So I was a fan of that. Point is. I started watching those and breaking them down. And they're like, no way. You got a UFC champ breaking them down. Like, I love this. And so that kind of started down that pathway that I just started thinking, you know, there was a lot of boxing matches, a lot of fights I didn't see during my career because I had my head in a tunnel and I was doing my own thing. But now I started putting on my coaching pants, so to speak. And so I made this Twitch TV, James Pover became my virtual gym. And I just sit here and spend five, six, seven hours rapping with people and breaking down fights and they bring me their fights. And so it's everything I love doing. It's everything I've always been. You yeah. know, I've always, it's my turn to give back my turn to be a coach. And I tell everybody that comes in, you're my students. So it's been a blast that happened. Then there's like Twitch TV UFC started. And so they're like, well, we need a host one time. Would you come in? I was like, shoot oh yeah and I, hey you know you got to be able to can you be able to watch this many fights in you know in three hours would you be able to can you be able to entertain them and as like please just, just let me sit back and watch this i was like just let, sit back and watch this and by the time i got done with the first video i was already 45 minutes into it that's why i'm the pause king because i'll pause break down knowledge i'll sit there with chat talk to them they'll say something it'll remember I'll fire off things I've learned. I'll start telling stories. I'll start remembering. And it's just been, and it just took off from there. And that's been, and now, like I said, I do um, every Monday, breaking down the fights that happened on the Saturday. Um, if, this, if we'll have one March 6th, we've got a, the UFC watch along 
Um, I don't know who my guests are this time, but I've had Aljamain Sterling, uh, Angela Overkill Hill, TSM Viss, Chris Weidman, you know, to name a few. Michael nice. Chiesa was in. Um, so we're building those up. I think the last one we had, 1.9 million came through. Ooh, it's crazy, right? Big numbers, but, bro. But we get to sit down yeah. and we get to break down fights and every, you know, all these fights from UFC Fight Pass. And so it's been, it's carried into a lot now. I'm kind of coming through the back door and here I am right. as a <laughs> analyst and a commentator for the UFC, but just in a different version. Something, uh, one of the last fights we called, this is the growth of Case Aggression MMA. It was an incredible fight between Michael Ship and Juan Carlos. And the fight ended, like a lot of them do in case aggression, with a devastating spinning heel kick. And yep. your reaction was, you know, pardon the language, holy shit. Yeah, I couldn't help was, it. it was, exactly. It was so impactful. And that wound up catching, uh, you know, the ear of the news. We were on Business Insider and some other media. What do you recall of that devastating knockout, man? I, and that's what people need. To, I need. I've, I've had it happen a couple of times. In my, I try not to cuss. I try not to get into it. But right. I, we, as we're sitting there calling it, you re, you get into the fight and you start thinking about, you know, how they're moving, how they're doing it. And then to see a fighter just kind of turn it off and spin one off the way that they do. And then it just, the way that it just starts them. Holy. And it, it, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. still, all of a sudden, <laughs> you forget that you're, you're a commentator, you're an analyst, right. and you're, you're a fan, and you're just a youngster watching a sport. And you're just like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit, you can't believe it. Just like, oh, and it, like professionalism gets knocked out the window because that's the beautiful thing about this sport is you never know. The unknowns are, you know, I mean, they're, it's it's unreal. You can it just in a blink, this sport can change, in, you know, what I mean, in, in a second. And that's what's beautiful about it. Is they have that kind of you don't just sit back and like you can just kind of get lulled to sleep by a fight or something like that. Then all of yeah. a sudden. And you just all of a sudden, the 14 minutes before are forgiven. And yeah, you, all you yeah. can think about is that one second. But I'm not saying this fight, but in yeah. some, I mean, just the art of the knockout and the way that it happens sometimes, you know. And I can't get over hearing Militich with, with the Jordan and that fight that he just had when Brandon, when he spun that thing off and he's just like, okay, that sound, oh my, the sound, the sound, the sound. Yeah. Right? Sitting right there was like a coconut. And Pat, I mean, I don't. I've been calling fights with Pat for a little while now. He hopped up on his feet and was like, that's bad. That's, that's really bad. bad. Like that's, he, that's you just really knew. Bad. And you that's just it. Knew. And it was crazy. And I got that eerie feeling when I seen him. And it's it reminded me really quick, you know, that's something that, could you imagine? Like, I could never imagine. We always had, as a military fighter, it was always harder for us to be on the outside of that cage coaching than it was to be the one in the cage. Because we loved our, we loved our, I love my brothers so much. You know what I mean? I loved my team so much that yeah. I'd rather, I'd want to be the one in there throwing down rather than, but then, I mean, could you imagine, you know, having to hit a shot like that and have it to be one of, like, be one of my teammates? It'd yeah, be, man. I couldn't imagine. Now I could see Pat, you can hear it in his voice, you know, the concern. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah. It was, it's impressive. And, but it just goes to show, you know, I'm going to show that fight later. I want people to understand. That no matter what level it is, it's not a game. It's not a game, man. And things can happen. So please train hard. Give yourself every opportunity in the world to walk in there and make sure that you walk out. And that's what I was saying about it. It ties all the way back to getting ready to when I was getting ready to fight Uno and I was on that boardwalk. Like, is this 
Is this really, you know, when you give everybody a hug and you say your goodbyes and you're thinking about it, man, I really, you know, I, am I ready for this? Am I, yeah. I've done everything. And that's what I mean. Preparation gives you so much confidence, but to hear that in Pat's voice, you know, that was something, but again, you, again, everything, the spin, the win and, you know, our, the one we were talking about where he spun that kickoff, same thing, you know, it's luckily we love it. We, Ooh, we all, we go crazy for knockouts. But at the same token, we love and support it. We're like, you know, it's it's a crazy yeah, game. For sure. And if you, go, if you want to go check out any of these, the fight, uh, Jen's going to be breaking down, or the Juan Carlos Michael ship, go to the Cage Aggression um, MMA YouTube page, and we're starting to break down. There's full cards there, and we're starting to actually break down individual fights. And, uh, yeah, the one Jen's going to be breaking down here is, um, I'm sorry, what uh, Brendan, Brendan Jenkins and Jordan, the henchman, Hinman. An incredible fight ended in the first round with a devastating knockout. So without further ado, champ, I don't want to keep you any much longer. I'll let you get to the breakdown, my friend. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. All right, see you in March, buddy. I'm going to show you guys a, a, a fight here in a minute. This will make you never, ever, ever want to fight again. And it happened in a legitimate fight. No, it wasn't Sages. I, I see now. This one, though, you can hear Militic and them going going off. And you can hear Pat, the second he heard it, he pops up and goes, that's bad, that's bad, oh my God, that's bad, that's bad. And that's all he can say, that's bad, that's bad. This is horrible. And it's it's unreal. Shattered his whole face. It shattered his whole face. Crushed it. And guess what he did? He spun one off. And he caught him. Here it is. Oh my God, here it is. All right, skip. Valley Monster Tap House, Squirrel's Tree Care, Yabba Dabba's House of Glass, Farley's Support Your Local Dive Bar, Batman Blackjack Norris. It's never over until it's over. All right. Frazy Electric, Vital Proteins, and Bloom Hemp CBD. Joining us from Burlington, Iowa, the henchman, Jordan Henman. Jenkins looking very, very calm while Henman just evil eyeing Our him. Gentlemen. This is the professional welterweight division for Caged Aggression's main event. We went over the rules in the back. Brandon, do you have any questions? Jordan, do you have any questions? Touch them up now if you wish, and let's do this. Jenkins shooting us a smile just before the fight. You gotta like that confidence. This isn't the time for the bathroom break or the beer break or any of that. This is gonna be a bang. What? Chris Philly, what I miss? Just remember this. All I'm going to say is you can see it right in the title. All right? You can see it right in the title. This will make you never want to be a fighter. I can promise you. I can promise you. This will make you never, ever, ever want to step in here. Here. All right, gentlemen, here we go. Brandon, you ready? Jordan, you ready? Let's go. All right, here we go. No glove touch. Yo, Kego, Kego, MMA, how you do? Or, 
get ready. See, we will implement that offense first. Brandon with a miss there. Jordan taking his back for a hot second. Both clearly showing respect for each other. And both switching from southpaw to conventional stance and back and forth. Good elbow. Jordan firing away. Beautiful knee to the body. Good knee by good knee by Brandon. Right, Jordan scoring with that one. You go first. What do we work on? Brandon, rather, sorry. There's blood coming from somebody. See someone Jenkins. I don't know if that's coming from him. He's been using those cornrows to grind on Jenkins' jawline. Randy Couture used to love to utilize that to grind his head right into somebody's Oh, good big knees. Good knees. Look at that jump knee. Controlling the head. Oh. What was that? Big oh, God. Grind his head right into somebody's Oh, oh big knees. Another cage aggression here locally. Big knee for Jordan Hinman. I'm commentating on the 26th of March. Oh, it was a cup shot, wasn't it? Oh my big God. right hand, right flush on the chin. Sound like Brandon a, Jenkins. Sound like a see hammer him. hitting a coconut. Bro. You see him throwing that elbow? Jordan's just kind of clowning, right? Good timing on that. Brandon's doing a good job of timing him. Yeah, I see a little bit of blood from Jordan Hinman's forehead. Can't tell where exactly that's coming from. I think it's right at the hairline. Straight right to the belly hole. Right good on hook. The top, over by his Jenkins left. is ah, cut definitely. over the right eye. Yes, sir. That's a big cut. That is a big, nasty one. That might have been from that big shot. Nasty one. That might have been. Listen. Listen. From that big shot. Broke his whole face. He's never fighting again. Listen to watch Militich. Watch. Elbow to the oh, face of Jordan It is over. Oh, Spinning that, elbow. That's bad. That's bad. See, all Militich can say is that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. You heard that's, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Dude, do you know how bad it is? That's bad. That's all he can say. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Wow, you heard that, ladies and That's gentlemen. Spinning elbow. That could be That's a broken a orbital injury. Yeah. That's more than that. That's a cheap Shattered the whole face. And all that, we go back to look at, and he, what he do? He spun it. I know. I, I don't know if they, I'm trying to. You see how it broke that whole spin the wind. That's what I'm saying. The spin the wind right there. Wow. The Boom. Impact of that, ladies and gentlemen, was just. There it is again. Absolutely. Broke that whole.
side of his face. Explosive impact. Uh, and right push. away it was over. Kudos. Boom. And good job the on the ref for stopping him from okay. taking any Good job on the ref. For punishment and jumping in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew. You heard the impact of that. Yeah, we got to move on. But that's just, you know what I'm saying? And he was, you never, you, you know what I'm saying? You never know. I mean, it's it's a crazy, crazy game, isn't it? It's a crazy game. And that's, you just, you never know. You, you're never guaranteed anything out there. And all it takes, again, props to Brandon, you know. Uh, a little bit more of the fight again. Both of these guys firing away. We talk about Jenkins, his experience. And he ate those knees. Jordan flying with the right there, right You know what I mean? And he's just kind of pushing on him. Jenkins was a stronger, stronger guy. Ladies and gentlemen, your referee, Bruce Allen, yeah. has called. Boom. Just unreal. My man never even seen it coming. Look, he never even, it, it didn't even dawn on him what was going to happen. He's been up against some. Ladies and gentlemen, your referee, Bruce Allen. Right there, and then here it comes. I mean, just an amazing punch. An amazing punch. Allen has Boom. I mean, you can see it just broke that whole, just destroyed that cheekbone, that orbital, just destroyed it. Destroyed it. I'm more impressed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't believe he's up and walking. Call the right? stop to this contest. And he's still covered up and he covered and up, two which minutes, was nuts. Three seconds into round one, declaring your winner by knockout, the human highlight reel. <laughs> Big win. I know it was. And he was cut. You know what I'm saying? And my man's got a lot of heart. But just think about that. It makes it just kind of, um, why are elbows allowed but not soccer kicks? I don't know. I think, I think knees on the ground should always be allowed. You know what I mean? Screen for I you to relive right now. Always be allowed. True to fashion, living up to your nickname, the human highlight. Re this is definitely a highlight. This is going to go. Talk to us now about how it feels getting back like in the, that the wind call. And Brandon. then the spin. Man. Boom. I mean, just. And, uh, uh, <laughs> I think I fell afterwards. I'm such a doofus. Uh, so, man, uh, nobody knows the shit I've been through this year. I mean, every It's just crazy. I mean, it's, 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 it's a bad. That was a bad shot. You know what I mean? What a shot. Though. I told you. It'll change It'll change the way you look at fighting. You know what I mean? It'll make you not want to get in there for sure. That was five months ago. Yeah, it's nasty though. You know what I mean? It's rugged. It, you got to be careful all the way through, right? Every moment. You're not safe. At any moment, that thing can change. It's crazy. It's a weird game, a weird game.